Hi, I'm your host, Amy Frina. For over 30 years, Care Credit has been enabling people just like you to get the care, procedure, or surgery they want or need when they want it. Behind the thousands of amazing testimonials we receive from our cardholders are the dedicated providers and healthcare workers who make these stories possible. In this series, we are giving you exclusive access to these well-respected and renowned care experts who are all part of our Care Credit Network and asking them to share the information and answers you need to make informed decisions about your health, wellness, and personal care. We have joining us Dr. Thomas Taylor, who is going to be telling us all about liposuction. Dr. Taylor is a plastic and reconstructive surgeon with a private practice in Pasadena, California. He received his medical degree from Columbia University and completed his residency at UCLA Medical Center. He's not only board certified in plastic surgery, but is also a fellow of the American College of Surgeons. Dr. Taylor's surgical achievements have been featured in several local and national media outlets. Hi, I'm Amy, and we are joining you live from the studio today with Dr. Taylor, who is going to give us some insight on liposuction. How are you today, doctor? I'm fine, Amy. Thanks for having me here to talk about liposuction. Absolutely. So before we get into lipo, we wanted to kind of get to know you a little bit. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey to plastic surgery? Well, I guess I'm one of those rare people that... Uh, started thinking about being a, a surgeon actually at a very young age, probably ninth grade. Wow. Uh, I always wanted to be a general surgeon mm -hmm. uh, and mainly because one of my neighbors was a general surgeon. So mm -hmm. he kind of took me under his wing and I wanted to be like him. Mm -hmm. And I maintained that, that focus all the way through, halfway through my general surgery residency at UCLA, mm -hmm. uh, during which time I was exposed to some plastic surgery and immediately fell in love with that and mm -hmm. then kind of changed my career path uh, towards that. And I stayed in LA, uh, I'm from Boston originally, uh -huh. and moved to LA to do my surgical training. And um, I got married, had kids, and ended up going to USC for my plastic surgery training. Excellent. And then I went into private practice uh, after I completed my fellowship. Wow, that's a lot of school. It is. I'm tired <laughs> just even talking about it. Really? Okay, well we'll move on, we'll move on. What about your hobbies? What are you doing when you're not working? Uh, I have two hobbies. Uh, actually, probably my biggest passion is competitive swimming. Really? Uh, yeah. So I've always been into working out and exercising and trying to maintain a healthy lifestyle. Um, and I swam in high school and uh -huh. college. And you know, then having a family and in all my surgical training, I kind of fell out of that for a little while. But uh, probably about 10 years ago, I got back into that. So now I'm a member of the Rose Bowl Aquatic Center Masters team. Fun. Uh, and so um, I do uh, national and international competition. Wow. And to just blow my own horn, I'm Go the for it. world champion in the 60 and over 100 and 200 freestyle events. Congratulations. So I'm going to, to Tokyo next year to wow. defend that title. So Kind um, of a big deal. We'll wish yeah, you luck. Thank you. So I, I enjoy it. I try to get the uh, the ladies in my office to uh, follow my my role uh, in, in promoting uh, health and wellness. Uh -huh. And, uh, you know, they're, they're getting there. They're getting there? Yeah. No medals yet. <laughs> no medals. <laughs> <laughs> so you said you had two hobbies. What was number two? Photography. Really? And, yeah. What I do you really shoot enjoy... I like doing travel photography uh -huh. and you know nature mm -hmm. and animals and and uh, you know just uh, 
it's a lot of different things actually mm -hmm. and it's I guess I wouldn't call myself artistic in the sense that I can draw well but I have a very good eye for um, what looks nice and what's aesthetic and what's proportional and a lot of that comes out in my photography right um, so I do enjoy it as kind of an art form less as a kind of a documentary thing, but more mm -hmm. like creative and artistic photography. Wonderful. Yeah. Can you share with us one of your most interesting cases? Most interesting cases? Um, well, there, boy, that's a, that's a tough there's one. A lot. There's, a, there's a lot <laughs> of very interesting uh, cases, but you know, what's kind of relevant today, I guess, is not that I do too much transgender uh, surgery, but mm -hmm. there was a situation uh, probably 15 years ago where I was doing a breast augmentation on this young lady, and it wasn't until after surgery that the recovery room nurses noticed that this was actually a... Uh, not a lady. Not a lady. And had his uh, his or her private parts mm -hmm. still, which I never bothered to discuss or examine, wow. obviously. And it led to a very interesting discussion about the whole transgender community. And um, because before that point, my experience with the transgender community had not been overly positive. It was mostly in emergency room situations and a lot of, uh, you know, issues that go along with it. But I didn't realize that there is a entire sort of subculture of very normally adapted transgender uh, uh, people that, uh, you know, are just like you and I and have every right to do whatever they want to do to their bodies to make to make them feel better and to improve themselves. So that opened my eyes. And you know, and then I started doing a little bit more of that. But mm -hmm. that's just one case that just popped in my mind when you okay. said that. Very, well, I would say interesting, and that's what yeah. I asked you. So what would you say then, doctor, is uh, the most rewarding part about your job? Uh, I, I, the most rewarding, um, I thought it would be me feeling like I did a good job okay uh, getting a good result mm -hmm. which which does give me a lot of satisfaction mm -hmm. but that doesn't always translate to patient satisfaction you would okay. think it would right. but um, cosmetic surgery patients um, sometimes can be you know far a little a little pickier than I am in terms of results and right. so even if I do a good job if they're not happy if I don't see a smile on their face that isn't very rewarding to me mm -hmm. but if I see them come in and they have a big smile mm -hmm. and they're happy and they you know either verbally or with body language express that they're happy that that to me is very very satisfying I bet I bet what about the most interesting place you've ever been um, well I've been a lot of places mm -hmm. around the world okay. um, and a lot of it is related to photography travel. I do a lot of um, traveling with National Geographic and things like uh -huh. that too. So it's more than a hobby. Play. Well, it's still, it's still a hobby. <laughs> it's a, like it's a, a passionate hobby. hobby. Okay, there we uh, go. <laughs> put it this way, if I could make the money I make as a plastic surgeon being a photographer, I might consider a switch. All right. Um, but uh, interesting, I, mean, I have to say probably Vietnam, I found okay. to be very interesting. Um, it was just a very interesting culture, and um, the people were extremely friendly, and um, 
from a photography standpoint, there was just limitless opportunity to uh, do a lot of interesting and creative things. Mm -hmm. I bet. You're very creative. I'm, I'm picking up on that. <laughs> yeah, and my kids have kind of, uh, all of them actually, have kind of followed. None of them want to go into medicine. I think okay. I... I don't, I don't know if I blame myself for that, but um, exposing them to all sorts of, uh, you know, runs to the emergency room in the right. middle of the night. In fact, my oldest oh. son, who, when I was in my first came out of practice and I was doing a lot of emergency room things, my son Kyle uh, was probably four, five, six years old at that point, and I used to drag him to the ER, like, all the time because, huh. if, you know, if we were out doing something, I'd call that, go to the ER. Right. I think I traumatized him because he, he is scared of the sight of blood. Aww. He just doesn't want anything to do uh -huh. with blood. So he's a, he's a, um, a graphic designer. Okay. You know, um, it's a so little safer. A little safer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But all three of them actually like photography, and all really? three of them are very creative in their own ways. Awesome. Mm. Well, they get it from their daddy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So we're going to move on because everyone is definitely tuning in because they want to hear and learn about liposuction. So... First and foremost, what is it and what areas of the body can it treat? Well, liposuction is the most um, popular plastic surgical procedure in okay. the United States, probably the world. Mm -hmm. um, injectables and Botox and things like that, number-wise, is a little bit more. But as far as surgery is concerned, um, liposuction is the number one procedure. Mm -hmm. And really, in a nutshell, it's sucking out fat from under the skin mm -hmm. to uh, contour and reshape the body in that area. Um, now, what areas you're talking about, really, I've liposuctioned people from their ankles mm. to their, you know, uh, their temples. Um, really? Yeah, and, every, and pretty much everywhere in between. The most common would be, you know, tummy, hips, right. and thighs, mm -hmm. but... Um, it's uh, really wherever there is fat and it can be removed safely, then liposuction is a potential option for them. So kind of to keep going in that direction, who then is a good candidate to have liposuction? Well, the best candidate, and unfortunately they're not the most common candidate, but the mm -hmm. best candidate is someone who diets, exercises, they maintain a good healthy lifestyle, and then they will have what we call diet-resistant, exercise-resistant pockets of fat. Right. And they can kind of control most aspects of their body, but these areas, it's, it's a very genetic mm -hmm. thing. And um, so they come in for help for those areas. Now, having said that, probably the more common person is someone who doesn't want to diet, doesn't want to exercise. Mm, and interesting. Yeah, there's a lot more of those than than the former, but um, that would be the the ideal candidate, and okay. someone younger because the younger you are, you have tighter skin, hmm. and a big. There's two main criteria for a good result from liposuction: how right. much fat you can remove, and then how well the skin will shrink. Because when you remove Got the it. fat, there's a cavity there, and the skin has to shrink. Right. And when people are older, they've had lots of babies or big weight gains and weight losses, the skin won't shrink as well. So, younger person. Healthy lifestyle, diet, exercise-resistant fat pockets, that's, that's the best candidate. Good to know. Is it um, a viable option for someone out there who is looking to lose weight? Uh, 
it's it's not a weight loss surgery. It's okay. a contouring surgery. Okay. Uh, we do have patients who come in and specifically um, will ask, how much weight will I lose? Mm -hmm. And I can estimate when I do an examination of about how much fat we're going to remove, and mm -hmm. I translate that to how many pounds that may be, but then I'll reinforce them and say, but this is not... A weight loss procedure. Okay. You know, it, it's a it's a reshaping and a and a, a contouring okay. uh, procedure. Can liposuction then be used for breast reduction or gynecomastia? Yes, we do that. Uh, not so much breast reduction, gynecomastia for sure. Mm -hmm. um, I would say nine out of ten gynecomastia. Uh, cases are done with some type of liposuction. Okay. Um, breast reductions. Um, I've done some. The problem with a breast reduction is most women with large breasts have sagging issues as well because of the weight. Mm -hmm. And if you just liposuction, you're going to correct the size, mm -hmm. but you're not going to correct the, what we call the ptosis, the sagging right. of the skin. And therefore, they need some type of a, a lift. And so a breast reduction really involves removing breast tissue and lifting the breast which you can't do with just liposuction alone. So the times I do do it, it's usually a younger person, okay. a teenager who has large breasts, they haven't had them long enough to really sag very much, mm -hmm. so you can sometimes get away with just liposuction. Got it. How much, I'm sure, depending on the area, but how much does it typically cost? A breast reduction procedure? Liposuction, I'm Oh, sorry. liposuction. Mm -hmm. um, that you know, it, it really depends. It, it most uh, most people, most uh, surgeons charge by area, okay, uh, or how much time it's going to take to do okay. the procedure. So, um, if you came in mm -hmm. and said, "I don't like the fat on the inside of my knees," okay. I mean, that is something you could just do in the office, a little local anesthesia. There's no, there's no anesthesia fee. Mm -hmm. There's really no real operating room fee. So, you know, a thousand bucks or something like that. Okay. Versus someone who comes in who's very heavy, and we're going to do their abdomen, their hips, and their mm -hmm. thighs, and their back. I mean, mm -hmm. that can be up to 15000 because they're going to be at a surgery center, they're going to be asleep right. uh, and it's under anesthesia. But I would say r the average liposuction uh, cost, at least in our area mm -hmm. here, you know, it, I would say it's probably in the somewhere in the five to eight or nine thousand okay. dollar range. And are there payment options available for a patient who maybe doesn't have all the funds up front? Sure. Um, we offer um, uh, financing mm -hmm. um, through care credit yeah. um, a few times way early in my career um, I kind of got talked into um, doing surgery and allowing the patient to pay me afterwards which never worked out well so we kind of okay. drew the line at that a long time <laughs> ago uh -huh. uh, but when you're young and you're just starting out you know right. you're pretty desperate to get a patient and right, so of course. Uh, and they sense that and you know there's a little manipulation there and and then you learn from your mistakes right um, we're, we're done with that done for that <laughs> yes uh, we do have some patients that use us as a bank mm -hmm. they don't trust themselves to uh, save their own money. Okay. Um, so they will uh, pay us every month or two uh, until their balance is at a point where they can um, have the surgery done. In fact, tomorrow okay. I'm doing a rhinoplasty on a girl who's been saving up for over a year now for her nose. Um, but um, care credit has been wonderful. We've 
used some other financing companies mm -hmm. way in the past, and there always seemed to be some issues with them. Really? Uh, but I would say Care Credit has been really quite seamless and very, very easy to deal with, and they are very flexible. Well, you know, we're happy to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> So let me ask you, when someone has decided, okay, I'm going to have liposuction, how do they find their surgeon? Oh, that's, yeah. What, I, so obviously you're getting online, you're, you're Googling and you're getting referrals, but what should they be looking for specifically okay, in a, a surgeon? Okay, that's a better question. Yeah. Um, you really, a patient really needs to find a surgeon mm -hmm. who is adequately trained, okay. has their board certification, which um, gives validity to their training, right. um, and has a lot of experience in that particular procedure. Okay. Now, that's easier said than done uh -huh. because there is a lot of misadvertising out there, and uh, it's, it's tricky because um, in, in many states, the laws are, are quite strict in what you can do um, it, it's very restricted based on your training. But in California, uh, I call it the wild, wild west. Uh -huh. um, if you have an MD after your name, you can do any procedure you want. Mm. It's really up, the burden is on the patient to mm -hmm. figure out who the heck they're going to. Right. And doctors and surgeons will misrepresent themselves mm -hmm. and um, by claiming they're a member of some fictitious board or whatever. Interesting. So, uh, I would say the the best way is to uh, research and find out if the doctor is a member of the American Board of Plastic Surgery. Okay, first um, and foremost. First and foremost, uh, how long they've been in practice, mm -hmm. and do they do a lot of liposuction? I have a very good friend that I uh, see at the surgery center that I go to a lot, and he does pretty much only rhinoplasty. Okay. And he said he hasn't done liposuction in 10 years. So yes, he's board certified, he's a very good surgeon, but you know, he's probably not uh, one that one would want to pick for liposuction. On the other hand, I don't do that many rhinoplasties. So gotcha. if someone has a complicated nose problem, I'm probably not the best one to pick Got for it. that. So it does take some due diligence on the part of, of the patient, but American Board of Plastic Surgery is, is probably the best place to start. Now, you mentioned their experience. How can a patient tell if their doctor is experienced or not? Um, Are we talking numbers? Are we talking referrals, reviews? Yeah, all that. Um, I think a lot of it, the patient has to come into the office mm -hmm. and really meet with the surgeon and meet with the staff okay. in particular mm -hmm. because anyone can really portray themselves really however they want. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, look at like a dating, an online dating service. I mean, you can put these crazy photos of yourself and it's, they're not real, you know? Right. So you could go make a website for a plastic surgeon and put all sorts of photos that have been doctored and the, the, the lighting is different and whatnot. And you're not really getting a good idea of, of the quality of that work. Now, on the other hand, coming to the office and talking to me and talking to my staff, uh, again, there's, there's got to be an element of trust mm -hmm. um, because it is hard for a patient to know exactly, you know, I can tell them how many surgeries I've done, mm -hmm. um, but they have to trust me mm -hmm. and believe me when I say that. Right. Um, a lot of our, in fact, most of our patients now are word of mouth, 
And that's, great. that's the best referral source mm -hmm. because then they can talk to their friends and say, well, I had that procedure mm -hmm. done and this is how I was treated. This is how the staff treated me. This is my whole, my whole journey through this process. And uh, it, it's a much more objective way for them to make a decision. Okay. What should the patient expect to experience during the initial consultation? Uh, the initial consultation, there's several steps. The first is just coming into the office. Mm -hmm. um, actually, the first step is the phone call. Right. And uh, my, uh, I have two front desk ladies, one of whom is here, Karina, and uh, my other lady is Gina. And they are both really, really uh, friendly on the phone mm -hmm. and very, very helpful. And I can't tell you how many um, accolades we get from patients talking about how friendly my staff is and that was like a big reason why they even decided to come into the mm -hmm. office in the first place after making multiple phone calls right so the first is just greeting them bringing them in getting them all set you know paperwork wise and all that um, and then I meet them go through a consultation examination and then they will go to my nurse's office, who's my cosmetic surgery consultant. Mm -hmm. And then she goes through all the uh, financial aspects, scheduling, more technical questions. Mm -hmm. um, and then hopefully they uh, book for surgery and then they become a pre-op patient at that point. Awesome. Are there particular questions that the patient should ask the surgeon during this consultation? Uh, yeah, I would ask um, several things. You know, wh what, it, what is your training? You know, are you board certified? Mm -hmm. And always ask, what are you board certified in? Because right. I know in Pasadena here, there is an individual who's board certified, American Board of Psychology or, mm -hmm. or Psychiatric Medicine, doing plastic surgery. Oh. Another one, American Board of Emergency Medicine, doing plastic surgery. Uh, again, this is California, so it's very, very uh, loose and, and easy here. So that doesn't really, so they claim, you know, they can say they're board certified, but you have to ask in what, and then how long you've been in practice, um, and what is your, uh, like what are the numbers, like what percent of your procedures are liposuction mm -hmm. versus facial surgery, for instance, something like that. Gotcha. Um, and then very importantly, where you're going to do the surgery and you know, what, what is the anesthesia going to be like mm -hmm. and um, those things because probably of all plastic surgery, liposuction is the one that's considered by many to be the easiest procedure, okay. which is why a lot of non-plastic surgeons are doing right. liposuction, a lot of OBGYNs and dermatologists, mm. uh, and all, they're doing most of that in their office operating rooms. So, and there's nothing wrong with that. I do a lot of my liposuction in my office operating room, but patients need to be aware of exactly what's going to transpire. They give you under general anesthesia, they give you a hospital, a surgery center, office, gotcha. and what are the safety measures that will be employed in case there's a problem. How close are we to a hospital? Have you ever had to take anyone to the hospital? Mm -hmm. Have you ever had a major complication? Mm -hmm. Those type of things. So definitely ask all these to the surgeon yes. right away. Absolutely. Can you tell us about the risks and complications then that are associated with liposuction? Um, yeah, I would say the number one complication is, it's more cosmetic than anything. It's um, skin, skin irregularities, mm -hmm. um, residual fat, um, uh, in, in certain areas, you know, getting an uneven or a, 
an unsmooth result would, would probably be the most common complication. Okay. Infections, I don't even know if I've ever honestly had a, a liposuction infection. It's extremely rare. I've never had anyone bleed, although you hear of that sometimes. Mm -hmm. You do hear of disastrous complications mm -hmm. um, where people have died. Um, it's almost almost 100% when it's done by a non-fully trained individual doing this procedure in a, uh, in a uh, office situation, mm -hmm. usually in combination with other longer procedures and um, adequate um, hydration is not done. Because when you do liposuction, you're removing a lot of fluid and you have to hydrate these people or you can get blood pressure drops gotcha. and things like that. So again, there's a perception out there that liposuction is very easy, but you have to know your anatomy. There could be catastrophic consequences mm -hmm. if you push that liposuction cannula into the wrong place. And you gotta be prepared to handle those complications right. if it happens. Of course, absolutely. Are there any steps that the patient at home can do to prepare themselves for liposuction? Um, like the, maybe uh, the week leading to? Yeah, to I would just, well, first of all, any, any surgical procedure, we tell them not to take any aspirin or mm -hmm. Motrin, Advil, anything mm -hmm. that can cause uh, blood thinning. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of general for any, any plastic surgery or cosmetic procedure. Um, and you should be nutritionally in, in good shape. And the other thing would be their weight, because I get a lot of questions like, should I lose weight prior to surgery? And I always say you should have your weight at a easily maintainable level. Okay. Um, if you're overweight and it's situational, it just happened six months ago because there was a death in the family or whatever, and you're depressed, you've been eating, then it'd be good to get back down to the weight that you're normally at. Mm -hmm. um, if you diet and do liquid diets and all this crazy stuff to get down to a certain weight and you can't maintain that weight and mm -hmm. you do liposuction at that weight, as you gain weight, a lot of this fat is gonna come back. And it may come back in different areas than where you did the liposuction. Interesting. But if you have your weight set at a place you can maintain, you do the surgery, and then if you lose weight afterwards, you're only gonna look better. And it, it allows you to take out the fat that was, you know, at a higher weight, you can take out more fat. Mm -hmm. So you just don't want to be at a, like a morbidly obese weight or an unusual weight. You want to be at a weight that you're comfortable with. Gotcha. Can you explain the various techniques that are involved um, and used to perform the surgery and who's a good candidate kind of for each one? Well, there's a lot of different types of liposuction mm -hmm. and they all have in common um, the ability to remove fat. Okay. Um, but I would say all the techniques vary in how the fat is removed or how it's dislodged and loosened um, to make the fat come out easier. Mm -hmm. So they all have some type of a vacuum system where you're, you're aspirating or sucking out the fat. Now a lot of people are under the impression that fat is sitting under your skin and it's like jello and you put a tube in there and it just sucks right out. Right. Well, think of fat more like a, like a beehive, a honeycomb, um, and the fat uh, is kind of, um, it's, it's all in these little uh, pockets that have to, be, have to be broken mm -hmm. uh, to be able to remove that fat. Mm -hmm. So standard liposuction, which began back in the 80s, 
it was very, um, uh, I don't want to say barbaric, but it was in a way that the cannulas, the tubes were very big. Um, we didn't use any type of preparation beforehand in terms of injecting fluid to numb the area or to vasoconstrict the area, something we call the tumescent technique. They just put the person asleep, put these big, large tubes in, and just used elbow mm. grease to suck out this fat. And, um, you know, it was, uh, the results, you know, it was a new, a new type of procedure, and the results were encouraging, but there was also a lot of recovery, a lot of bruising, and you could only do limited areas at a time because mm -hmm. there was so much bleeding. Um, so now, uh, there, the things that have evolved over the years is number one, the tumescent technique, where we always infiltrate the area first with a, a medicine or a fluid that loosens up the fat numbs the area and vasoconstricts all the little blood vessels. So okay. now when you do the procedure, uh, nice golden yellow fat comes out um, and you can do much larger areas of the body because you're not losing blood, plus there's a lot less bruising. And because there's local anesthetic there, a lot of this can be done uh, with the person completely awake or just wow. mildly sedated. Um, but a lot of the technology has been centered around how do we disrupt this fat? How do we get it out better? Do we use ultrasound to disperse a fat? Do we use uh, um, what we call power assist, like a vibrational type mm -hmm. of uh, mechanism to remove the fat? Do we use lasers to get, take out the fat? Uh, there's something called water jet liposuction. We use high pressure water to break open the fat. Wow. And I would not say, I'm a firm believer that there's no, no one system is better than the other. And there are occasionally patients that come in and will say, Dr. Taylor, I'd like to do laser lipo. And then I'll say, well, I don't really, I don't do that. And I explain why. And they're like, well, I'd really like you to do that. And then I say, you don't want me to do that because I don't have any experience in that. You want to pick a surgeon who has a technique that he or she is comfortable with, mm -hmm. um, and, and that's that's the technique you want to use. Because really, I think a lot of this is in the hands of the surgeon. Right. And uh, I tend to use vibrational power-assisted technique, um, and I can put my results up against anyone who uses laser technique, mm -hmm. or they use the ultrasound technique. So um, the newest rage in technology is a complete 180. Up to now, most of the money spent on R&D and body contouring has been, again, how do we get more fat out? Right. But the big elephant in the room is what's going to happen to the skin? Mm -hmm. And um, so now there's a lot of talk and money and new technology being developed for tightening the skin after liposuction. Okay. And, uh, and that's basically using radio frequency energy. Um, after you do the liposuction, probes are put under the skin to heat it and shrink the skin and build collagen, which gives uh, a much tighter result than they would with just you know, fat removal mm -hmm. alone. That's wow. kind of where technology is going. That's exciting. Good to hear. Yeah. So you kind of touched on this already, but can you tell us how the procedure is performed? Yeah, so a patient could either be asleep or awake or in between. Okay. And it depends on the person, probably most importantly, the, the patient, yes. um, and how big of a person they are and whether they have health issues and, or whatever. But um, once they're ready, 
or even before that step, we, we have the patient undress, we take pictures, we mark, and I always do it in a mirror so they can see where I'm marking so there's no you know, question about what areas are being done. Um, and then they um, are brought to the operating room and sometimes they're cleaned while they're laying down. A lot of times we do what we call a standing prep where they're standing and we circumferentially, the nurses clean them because when they're having liposuction done, usually they're being turned in multiple positions. Okay. So it's a lot easier to just clean them standing up, put a sterile towel down, sterile drapes, and then they, we just kind of turn them on the table. It's much uh, quicker and easier that way. And then um, multiple little poke holes are done depending mm -hmm. on the areas that are being treated. The one thing about liposuction is it's basically scarless. There's a few small little pokos. They're almost always hidden in little areas like in the belly button mm -hmm. and under the buttock creases or in the groin creases and in oh, the armpit good. and stuff like that. And they're very, very tiny. And then um, the part that they may feel if they're awake, it's the injection of that tumescent fluid, right. which is a very important you know, first part of all this. And mm -hmm. so there's a little bit of stinging, but again, most of these patients are sedated and or asleep. Um, and once the tumescent fluid is put in, and we wait five, 10, 15 minutes, and you can see the skin just blanch white. And that's sort of the sign like, okay, we're ready to go. Okay. And then we do the procedure. Again, we may roll them different positions. And when we're done, little stitches in the little poke holes. Mm -hmm. And then we put them in a very tight fitting uh, liposuction compression girdle that they wear full time day and night for a few weeks. And then okay. they kind of taper that off over several more weeks, depending on the swelling. Okay. What can the patient expect to experience during recovery then? Uh, soreness, mm -hmm. that's that's the big one. There's Liposuction is a very rapid recovery in terms of getting back to doing your activities of daily living. Okay. Meaning after four days, I let people do whatever they wanna do. Wow. Now, they're gonna, that doesn't mean people are going to do everything that they did before because right. they're gonna feel sore. Mm -hmm. They're gonna feel very, very bruised. They may look a little bruised, particularly thighs, bruise a lot, mm -hmm. um, but they're gonna certainly feel sore when they bend or turn or twist, they're gonna feel tight, okay. but they cannot hurt anything. Okay. So in four days, I make people wait four days to take a shower because the girdle is put on very, very tight and then they swell and swelling peaks in two days. Okay. And if they took it off, they'd never be able to get it back on again. So we make them wait two more days, they feel the girdle loosen a little bit, then they can take their shower, wash and dry the girdle, put it back on, and then I tell them, if you wanna go run a marathon, go run a marathon. Wow. You know, most people are still, are, you know, other than walking, don't do too much for a week. Mm -hmm. um, but the reality is they can drive within several days, they can get back to work very quickly, they can really do most things. The hard part about a liposuction recovery is the swelling. Because right. um, it can generally take up to you know six months, sometimes wow. more, sometimes a little less, but around six months to really see a final result. And there's a lot of things we have people do to try to get them to that result as quickly as possible. But that's that's the you know is a frustrating thing about patients is you know a breast augmentation patient they wake up and boom, they have their new they pair are. of breasts. Mm -hmm. uh, liposuction, you know, sometimes people come back in a week and they're like, oh my God, it might pants, like the pants I'm currently wearing don't fit because I'm swollen. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have to talk about all this beforehand so they understand. But eventually, you know, the swelling just slowly dissipates and, um, and then they look, they look good. Do the results change as time goes on? 
or is it that after that first couple of weeks and the swelling goes down, then it's pretty Oh no, consistent? so uh, I, you know, I tell people, usually at a week or two, they're gonna look smaller than the way they were to begin with, okay. and then they keep going down from that point. Wow. And it takes about six to eight weeks for about two thirds of the swelling, mm -hmm. and another few months for the last third. Right. Um, so they just keep getting better and better. And then nice. as time goes on, the skin tightens more and more. So I don't generally take follow-up photos for about six months. Really? Yeah. Is this a procedure that you would have to have done more than once in the same area? Uh, well, a lot of people do. It, mm -hmm. No, I mean, you would never plan this out because there are times with other surgeries where you would plan something where you're going to do it in stages. Right. This is not one of them. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, even though we talk about it and we prepare patients and educate them mm -hmm. that just because you have this surgery does not mean you can start eating whatever you want <laughs> and, and throw your gym <laughs> membership away. Right. Uh, and unfortunately, some patients do do that, and mm -hmm. they gain back some of that fat, and then we do go back and do liposuction in the same area. In the same area. Yeah. Interesting. Not too common, but it, it certainly happens. Okay. And it's a, diff it's a more difficult surgery because they have a lot of scar tissue under the skin. Dr. Taylor, what about those procedures that freeze the fat? Are those just as effective, similar, different? It's different. Um, that would be considered a more non-invasive approach to body contouring. Okay. Um, fat cells are um, susceptible to death by, uh, by freezing. Um, so if you take a machine and uh, apply it to an area, you know, through the skin, the mm -hmm. cold is transmitted, it freezes the fat, and over maybe six to eight weeks, about 20 or 25% of the fat cells will die. Okay. And they're just taken away by our immune system, our mm -hmm. macrophages and whatnot. Um, so, but you're only taking away maybe 20% of the fat cells. Where a liposuction procedure, yes, it's a little bit more invasive. You're taking away 90 or 95% oh, of the fat wow. cells. Oh, wow. That's very different. It's very different. So I, I would say those non-invasive uh, freezing techniques is really, the best candidate is someone who's, diets, exercise, in good shape, they have some resistant uh, fat pockets they don't like, and they do not want surgery. Okay. And there are patients that come in and they'll say, what do you have other than surgery? I don't want any recovery, I don't want any scars, I don't want any girdles, I don't want, I want to be able to just go right back to work today, what do you have? And that's, that's what uh, we offer them. The results, uh, they can be quite impressive in some people and others not as impressive um interesting that's the only my only frustration is mm -hmm. it's it's not always predictable who's mm -hmm. going to get a great result but it works really well in, in quite a few people okay good to know good insight so doctor to that patient at home that has been debating lipo for years and years and years but just hasn't been able to take the first step what advice do you have for them go take the first step <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of scary, and a lot of patients say, you know, I can't believe I'm here. Mm -hmm. I've wanted to do this for a couple of years, right. and I'm just, I was too nervous or whatever. But, you know, there's nothing to lose by making a consultation, mm -hmm. going in, meeting a doctor, meeting their staff, mm -hmm. which is super important, mm -hmm. um, and getting some good information. There's a lot of good information online, mm -hmm. um, but 
you know, again, how, what people post online, you have to take with a little bit of a grain of salt. And right. I think really meeting the staff and the, the doctor, you're going to get more information. And if you're going to do this, you know, meet with several doctors. Mm -hmm. I mean, anytime I purchase any large item, I usually shop and price mm -hmm. compare and want to meet, you know, different, different people. And right. so there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but don't be scared about going in to meet with a doctor. I think, you know, cosmetic surgery is kind of interesting because people are coming in very unhappy uh, and, a, and even ashamed sometimes of mm. how they look. And they have to show that very area to a complete stranger. And so it's, it's uh, right. they're scared by that. Mm. And, so usually I will try to disarm them and say, a lot of times they'll say, oh my God, I just don't even want to take this gown off. You're going to, you're probably going to faint Dr. Taylor. And I'll say, you know what, whatever you show me, I've seen worse. <laughs> um, right. Now, occasionally there is someone who is the worst, but you right. know, uh, it's, um, it's, it's worth it in the end to mm -hmm. face your fears and find some information and uh, going in for a consultation is the best way to do that. Can I ask you also, um, how many of those patients percentage wise that come in and say, I've been waiting, I'm so afraid, you know, that you can tell they're, they're wound up pretty tight by the time that they get to you. How many of them end up actually going through and forward with the procedure? Well, because I'm sure there's some that say, mm, never mind, I'm done. Yeah, <laughs> I think there's uh, some of this is inherent in their personality. You mm -hmm. know, they're just, uh, or I don't know the percent. I, mm -hmm. I for sure it's a smaller percent than the person that comes in with a skip in their step and they're right. so excited and they come to the front desk with uh -huh. this big smile, like, oh my <laughs> God, I can't believe I'm here. Like, those, you know, there's definitely a higher percent of those people doing surgery. But the, the, the people that are worrying and scared and concerned, um, you know, a lot of them will do surgery, mm -hmm. but it takes a little bit more time, a little bit more hand-holding. They're going to have more questions. Those people are not going to just schedule surgery mm -hmm. that day. They're going to think about it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they come back and they want to do a little Botox or something just to kind of... To get warmed up. Yeah, <laughs> tuck, you know, put their foot in the shallow end of the pool right. and then kind of get ready for it. So Okay, that's yeah. good to know. All right, Dr. Taylor, well, thank you so much for educating us on liposuction. We appreciate um, it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Before we let you go, we're going to do a quick lightning round where we're going to ask you... I'm going to ask you, not them. Uh, this or that, and you just say whatever comes to mind. Are you ready? Yes, I am. All right, a cat or a dog? Cat. Hard top or convertible? Hard top. Surfer ski? Ski. Golf or run? Golf. All right. Night owl or early bird? Night owl. Decaf or calf? Calf, for sure. Shop in store online? Online. NBA or NFL? NFL. All right. Go Patriots. Yeah. I'm from Boston. What okay. can I say? I will stop the interview there. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate You're it. You're very welcome. <laughs> We learned a lot about liposuction from one of the country's top board certified plastic surgeons. If you're considering body contouring, we hope we've provided the information that you need to decide if you want to take the next step and schedule a consultation. Remember, Care Credit is a leading national healthcare credit card that can enable you to get many of the surgeries, procedures, and treatments you want now and pay over time with everyday promotional financing on purchases of $200 or more. 
Care credit can also be used to pay for co-pays, co-insurance, deductibles, and your health and wellness needs. Care credit is accepted at hundreds of thousands of locations nationwide to pay for care whenever you need and want it. If you are interested in applying for a Care Credit credit card or would like to find a provider in your area who accepts Care Credit, visit us at carecredit.com. And if you found this information valuable, please leave us a five-star review on the App Store and a thumbs up and share it with a friend. I'm Amy Freina with Care Credit, and I will see you soon. Thanks for joining us on Care Experts with Care Credit. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share with friends and family. And stay tuned for new episodes every week. Purchases with the Care Credit credit card are subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See carecredit.com for details. This content is subject to change without notice and offered for informational use only. You are urged to consult with your individual medical providers with respect to the information presented. Synchrony and any of its affiliates, including Care Credit, collectively Synchrony, makes no representations or warranties regarding this content and accepts no liability for any loss or harm arising from the use of the information provided. Your participation in this presentation constitutes your acceptance of these terms and conditions.